Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Josh Kaufman. He is an independent business professor, education activist, and author of The Personal MBA Master the art of business without spending a whole bunch of money. Now, I actually added that last part, but uh, Josh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining me. So. I like it. It's, it's good. Thanks, John. So you actually have been, this book's been out um, for a few months here now when we've recorded, but you, you've actually built this book um, on kind of a self-education program that you've been teaching or you know, some might say preaching um, for uh, about six or seven years, right? Is that right? Yeah, definitely. It it actually just started as a very personal project. I wanted to learn more about business, and uh, I, I looked at all of the uh, traditional graduate uh, MBA programs out there, and I decided that they were very expensive and took a lot of time, and it wasn't a good option for me. So I, I basically just decided to do it myself and uh, truck my stuff down to the library and the local Barnes & Noble and just started reading. And six years later, the personal MBA uh, was published. Well, well, so so what what is your um what is your sort of traditional educational background then? You know, I, I went to the University of of Cincinnati. Uh, my undergrad is is in a technical field, business information systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, started as a computer engineer, mm. and uh, it it was funny through through a series of uh, very fortunate events, I found myself with an internship at uh, one of the largest companies in the world, Procter & Gamble, mm. uh, doing some of their very early um, Internet relationship marketing campaigns. So I, I worked on a website called homemadesimple.com, which was, you know, <laughs> P&G selling wonderful things like um, Dawn dishwashing detergent uh, on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I started in a very technical field, but uh, in, in a few short years, I found myself working in brand management at, at the company that invented the term, which was just mind-bending for me. Um, and as a result, when I graduated, I had a job offer to be an assistant brand manager, and all of my peers were going to be uh, have MBAs from top 15 business schools. And it, it was just intimidating. Right. Um, because, you know, at that point I, I thought that they, uh, knew something or, or had this knowledge or, or set of skills that I didn't. Um, but it didn't make sense for me to quit my job and go back to school to then come back to a job I already had. It just didn't make sense. Um, so I just, I decided to do it myself and, and I started reading business books, um, my senior year of college and I haven't stopped since. Well, now, um, you've probably got a little bit of your finger on the, the pulse of, you know, what's going on in, in the academic world. I know in the, yep. I don't know, the nineties, maybe the early um, 21st century, you know, it was, you got the degree and then you went on and found, uh, maybe you went out and worked a couple of years and then you got an MBA and that that was sort of the track. I mean, is that, is that track changing for, yeah. you know, the folks, the kids that are getting out of school now? I call them kids because I can. <laughs> I had one of them call me grandpa the other day, though, so, you know. Oh, so. that's harsh. <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> I don't think he meant it as a term of endearment either. So. Oh. But so so you are seeing that that's not, I mean, that, that people are, there's much more of a, you know, a vibe about, hey, jump in and do your own thing. Yeah, and and I think it's actually coming both from people who kind of want to avoid the working for a company route to begin with. Right. But it's also coming from people who, who do go the traditional route 
and then you know find themselves uh, in a very nicely paying prestigious position at Goldman Sachs and, and realizing that they hate their life yeah. and they want to go off and do something on their own. Um, so there's there's a people don't necessarily are uh, don't necessarily come out of credentialing programs with the understanding that they're going to be working for the same company for the next fifty years of their life. Um, there's a realization that at some point um, they're going to do their own thing or they're going to want to do their own thing. And there's a certain set of things that they need to know in order to do that well, um, which unfortunately business schools don't teach <laughs> very well, even if you go. And so, yeah, I think more people are realizing that um, knowing how to start and run a business well, uh, whether it's a small one or a big one, it's a very, very important skill. And there's, there's really only a core set of things that you need to know, at least to start, uh, to do it well. Well, you know, one of the things that I actually encounter, and, and maybe it's just the circles I run in, uh, that, you know, a lot of folks are starting businesses without really any background, without any yeah. MBA, you know, certainly yep. training. More likely, they went to work for an accounting firm and thought, you know, this isn't that hard to do. I think I'll start my own accounting firm. Uh, right. And so they knew, they knew how to balance a, a balance sheet, but that was about it. Yeah. Um, or uh, or engineers or programmers right, right, who, right. who create something valuable and realize that there's a market for it, and they start selling it, and all of a sudden they have a company. It's like, whoa, yeah. I don't know how to do this. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of um, experimentation that's happening, which is, which is really awesome. Well, um, so... No, I was going to say, one of the things I really like about this, about your book, is that, you know, there are books on, you know, I've contributed a couple books, say, on marketing. You know, there are mm-hmm. books on finance. There are books on, you know, probably, well, I know for a fact you, you've taken ideas from all of these many various totally. disciplines, right? And put them kind of into a book that I see as as a really great place for somebody, and I'm not sure if it's the place to start. Sometimes you have to go out there and hit your head against the wall before this sure. kind of stuff makes sense. But but it's a great way for somebody to see how the sum of all these parts moving together. Um, and, and I think that that's sometimes missing in, you know, a marketing book that doesn't maybe take enough, um, doesn't give sales, say, enough, you know, credit for the role that, that those two things play together. And I, and I think that that's the part that for a lot of business owners, once they start, kind of viewing their entire business as this sum of moving systems, um, yeah. you know, I, I think the world starts to make more sense. Yeah, and it helps to, to have an appreciation for the, the whole of the system that you're going to be dealing with. Right. And, um, you know, you, you, you're totally right that people sometimes need to, to whack their head against the wall a couple times before they realize certain things are important. Um, but there's there's also you've heard the the saying that the the map is not the territory, mm-hmm. and you know business books aren't the the territory of actually running the business. Right. But the maps are very useful. But I, a lot of the books that are out there will take you know one very specific part of business. You know, let's say doing discounted cash flow analysis or doing a pro forma financial analysis, something like that. They'll go really really deep, and it's kind of like. Um, having a map that has a lot of detail on one particular mountain, but then ignoring all of the surrounding area. Right. And so, you know, what I, what I really tried to do is, okay, welcome to business. What exactly are we doing here? What's the point? How do all the things fit together? And give people at, at least uh, enough of a starting point to feel uh, like they know enough about what they're doing that it's not intimidating. 
Well, and and we talked a little bit off the air before we started here. Um, I'm a big fan of Peter Drucker, and it's clear mm-hmm. that 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 you are as well. And, and in fact, I, you know, I tell people all the time one of my favorite marketing books is The Practice of Management, totally um, by by Drucker. Which you know, certainly a lot of people wouldn't think of that book first, but um, you know, I think that that he probably more than anybody before him and maybe anybody since, you know, really focused on this idea of value creation. Yep. And, and I, and I really do love how, if I can find the page uh, that you, I've been flipping around so much, I can't find it again, but where you talk about the five, um, the five parts of every business. Right. Um, and, and I think that if, if people, um, if we can get more small business owners to read that and understand that concept, um, I, I, I think that business itself would make a lot more sense. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Yeah, and it's it's really valuable to have at least a place to start. So, so if you're totally confused, it's like, what what can you start with and at least understand that that gives you a launching point? Well, what I always tell people is if you have so, that kind of strategy um, uh, idea uh-huh. in mind, then it becomes the filter for, I mean, the ludicrous stuff like, should we be on Facebook? Uh, you know, totally. I mean, it just, you can say, you can go back to that strategy and go, I don't know, would that create value? Would that allow us to deliver value? Um, and, and I think that, that people need that, um, to make some of the, the tactical decisions that they really have no data, um, you know, to make a good decision. Yeah. about. Or even just getting started. So many people get bogged down in the, okay, I need to create a right. business plan. And they're thinking, you know, big 50 page glossy document that's that's immaculate that will make sure the business yeah. succeeds at the very first time. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You just start with the structure, we, fill it in, and then run a bunch of experiments yeah, to yeah. see what Nobody's works. Nobody's ever nailed a business plan. <laughs> I can't imagine. No, it's yeah. never, well, ever happened. Fact, I, listeners <laughs> of the show have heard me say this a, a couple times before, but you know, I think a lot of the business plan people... Um, you know, a lot of times people accuse entrepreneurs of the, you know, ready, fire, aim, but uh, a lot of the business plan people are ready, aim, 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 you know, and, it, and yep. it's like, okay, yep. you know, so at some point you've got to ship something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of the, a lot of value in the, the ready, fire, aim approach, as long as the firing does not result in the right, explosion exactly, that kills you, exactly. right? <laughs> So the keeping your experiment small and self-contained, that's a really big part of what I'm Well, I'm and the cool thing, though, about. is I think one of the things that the, the, the social web does for us is allows us to do that experimentation with in very personal, totally. very small groups of, you know, of our customers. So, yep. you know, you, the... Um, you, you know, it's not like you're creating an assembly line and, and you, if you're wrong on one part, it's going to cost, you know, $500 million. Yeah, totally. Brilliant example of this I saw the other day. Uh, there was a, a designer um, who had an idea for an application, but he wasn't a programmer. He didn't know how to do it. Um, the, I think the application was called QuickSend. It was an email application. Had no idea how to make this happen, um, but he basically created uh-huh. a landing page. And he said, this is exactly you know, what, the, what the software does. This is what it would look like. This is how it w- would work. looked exactly yeah. like a sales page. And at the bottom it said, I think this is a good idea. Um, based on the attention that it's getting, I think it's 
it looks like there are customers. If you're a developer, <laughs> let me know. And this got on the front page of Hacker News, and all sorts of people were saying, yes, I would totally buy yeah, this if that's this was fun. done. I mean, talk about saving potentially yeah, years' yeah. worth of effort uh, to figure out whether or not something yeah. works. It's, it's great. You, um, I think, kind of talk about the concepts that you teach in this book um, sort of holistically as business mental models. Um, and sure. there are dozens, if not more than, <laughs> than, than that, I think the final count was okay. All right, <laughs> um, and I wonder if maybe we can, you know, use up the uh, time that we have left here uh, today for this. Just maybe kind of uh, talking a little bit of, um, about a couple of those. I'll throw yeah, them out. Sure. We haven't rehearsed this, so you're going to have to. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're totally, living totally these fine. right. Um, four methods yep. to increase revenue. Oh, it's my my favorite. Aside from the five parts of every business. So uh, the, ge the general idea is if you want to bring in more revenue for your business, there's only four ways to do it. It doesn't matter what the business is or what it does. Uh, there's, there's only four ways to bring more money into your business. And uh, the analogy that I like to use is a restaurant. So if you're running a restaurant, you want to bring in more money, well, you can bring in more customers. That's one way to do it, get more people in the door. You can encourage each of those customers to purchase more, so sell, uh, you know, which is usually called increase average right. transaction size. So get them to buy drinks and desserts and appetizers and all that stuff. You can encourage the, your customers to come in more often. So instead of coming in once a month, they come in white, mm -hmm. uh, once a week. Or you can right. raise your prices. And that's really it. It's a very simple checklist if you can uh, bring in more people, get them to buy more, get them to buy more often, or raise your prices, you will make more money. That's basically all your options. So whatever you're doing, use that as a checklist. Yeah, and the real fun useful. thing is when you can do three of those at once, right? <laughs> yeah, totally, or all <laughs> four right. at the same time. <laughs> um, we already mentioned the word value, but but I think it's um, um, I, you spend enough time on it, and I frankly think it's um, it's – not only important, but is sort of misunderstood. Um, you know, a lot of people think in terms sure. of I can create a more valuable product or I can create a new service as uh -huh. value. You spend a lot of time talking about a whole lot of other ways that you can create value. And I, and I will throw in there that, that, you know, I've seen people that will pay a whole lot of money for something that I thought was worthless. <laughs> totally. Happens every day. <laughs> so, so, you know, what are some other ways that people can start thinking about this idea of value? Yeah, well, value, you know, just to provide a very basic definition, is what right. other people want. Um, and and the, the why people want it um, has all, it, it can range anything from this provides uh, something that I'm trying to achieve, so something mm -hmm. very functional. Um, I buy dishwashing liquid because I want to mm -hmm. clean my dishes. Um, it can range into uh, aesthetics and, and right. social signaling. So I want something because it mm -hmm. makes me look pretty or because it makes other people uh, right. respect me more. Um, so value is, is a very subjective thing. It changes from, from uh, one person to other. And there are some common themes like that. Um, but value is what other people want. And the big challenge, particularly when you're starting a business, is you may have an idea about what people want, but you never quite know until you actually offer them something. So there's, there's an idea in the book called The Iron Law of the Market, which is basically uh, Mark Andreessen, the founder of, of Netscape, 
uh, and a venture capitalist now, said it best. He said, markets that don't exist don't care how smart you are. Yes. And so a large part of particularly the early stage of entrepreneurship is testing to see if this thing that you think is valuable to other people actually is valuable to other people. And a lot of that is doing a lot of small experimentations with, um, you know, either the utilitarian part of things or the social signaling part of things um, to create um, some object or some service or some experience that actually is. Well, and, you know, I often will tell people, you know, a lot of times when people are trying to start up, they look at and they say, oh, you know, I don't this is a really good idea because nobody else, nobody else is doing it, you know, or, or, uh-huh. um, I don't want to do this idea because it seems like there's already three other people in my town doing it. And, and, you know, a lot of times right. I'll tell people, Hey, if people are already spending money on this and there's already an established market yep. and established spend on this, you know, it's a lot of times it's a whole lot easier to do something better than everybody else is than it is to try to convince people that they might want to need what you do. Totally, totally. That's that's actually uh, some of the best news yeah. that you can have. <laughs> it's like all sorts of people are already doing this thing that makes money, and it's kind of crappy in ways that I know I can improve um, on. That like that's that's yeah. gold. Well, I, again, I, I think it's a lot easier to steal market from, from people than to, than to, yeah, than totally. to teach people about this great new thing. So I, I'm a big fan. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm if if you're going to say there's any thread that runs through my writing and my book is this idea of of you know, marketing is a system, um, and I think that it's just one of the, the systems, and, and systems are run very well by checklists and processes, and, and I think that, that if yep. you know business owners particularly have 100 things that need to get done every day, the, this idea of, of documenting um, your standard operating procedures, and, and I even hate using some of those terminology because that people have been scared right. off by those, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I like, boring. I mean, I, when you show people, and I have, you know, folks that work with me that, that you know, here's a checklist. Yep. You know, just, just and, yep. and in fact, I, I was reading a, a, have you seen that book? It's called The Checklist Manifesto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tool Gawande, uh, right? That, that, you know, they're actually using them in, in you know, operating rooms, you know, the, in surgical procedures totally. with the idea of being that it just allows people to not have to think. It certainly improves accuracy, <laughs> you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's a part that, uh, that you spend quite a bit of time talking about as well. Yeah, and it's it's so easy to skip the little steps that really matter. So, you know, for example, it, uh, the, the example that uh, Gawande uses in the checklist manifesto is when you're inserting an IV line into a patient, um, if you forget to use the antiseptic on the insertion site, yeah. you're going to have an infection. And, you know, <laughs> when the patient is crashing and, you know, all sorts of things are going on in the environment, it's incredibly easy to forget that stuff, even though it's very important. And so when I'm working with clients, um, particularly uh, clients of a more creative yeah. persuasion, they get concerned because it's like, oh, that's yeah. going to just sap all of the creativity yeah. from the business. And once they actually start experimenting with creating checklists and operating procedures, uh, they come back and it's like, wow, I have a lot more time to actually exactly. be creative yeah. now because they're not spending all their time and energy doing things that they've already yep. figured out how Absolutely. to do. Well, so uh, there are 223 more of these, uh, if uh, people care to get the book, <laughs> that, that, that we could talk about today. <laughs> but uh, we, we are out, we've run out of time. Um, I've had a 
brilliant time talking with Josh Kaufman, Personal MBA. It is definitely a book that, uh, you know, it sounds so cliche to say on people's must-read, but if you're starting a business, I can't think of, or you are in a business and you're wondering why it's so hard, um, I can't uh, think of a better sort of book that would cover all of your bases. Well, Thank you so much, John. I appreciate visiting it. visiting with you and uh, you listeners out there, as I am fond of saying, uh, to close the show, make good choices. So, Josh, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.